For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That is the word of God. Indeed, today we're going to be talking about the power of the cross. Last Sunday, we did study Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission. And I am sure all of you responded to the encouragement I gave you to evaluate your own life in light of the command that Jesus Christ gave us before he ascended to be with Father in heaven. That encouragement, that indeed uh, evaluation of one's life is one of those things we ought to be doing, each one of us, on a regular basis to really see where do we stand and how am I living my life. That, of course, of examining ourselves and according to our understanding, your own understanding, after you have read and you have studied his word, all of which should, of course, increase our appreciation and indeed our full comprehension of the truth of the cross, the power released, released through the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray for greater appreciation of that power and that cross. Our Lord and Father, be with us. Indeed, give us the true understanding of what this cross means to us the cross that your son had to hang on, to die, to pay for us. We pray, Lord, that you will indeed instill that knowledge deeply, deeply in our hearts. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read to you from Luke, Acts 7 and 8, verse 59. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul was there, giving approval to his death on that day. A great persecution broke out against the church of Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. There's obviously from reading such texts that Luke wrote, no doubt at all that the Pharisee we know as Saul had not grasped the truth of the event when the Jews crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. All that, however, changed for Saul when he was hunting the disciples down, Jesus' disciple, all the way to Damascus in those days, 350 kilometers away from Jerusalem. He was hunting them just so he could bring them back to Jerusalem to be punished and killed, just as he had done with Stephen. Time hasn't changed much in that respect. We still today have men spending their life trying to convince the world that Jesus did not exist, or even if he had lived, he certainly was not the son of any god of any type. What their work amounts to 
is in fact just a push for the elimination of the life and the work of Christ, even as far as the elimination of the whole idea of a Christ at all. We could maybe even recall what Jesus said whilst dying on the cross, forgive them for they know not what they do. To give some understanding of how far they will go to delete Christianity, we have the European Union Equality Commission. <laughs> what a name, <laughs> Equality Commission. They have, among other things, they have published a directive how to avoid using and promoting Christian values. Just let that sink in. It says not to use the phrase Christian names. They want you to use first names or even forenames instead of Christian names, as well as not using typically Christian names and using examples such as calling people Malika or Ulio instead of Mary and John. Now, how far do you want to go? In any case, that particular document has so far met with a ton of ridicule from all sides, left and right of the politics even, and have, have in fact been withdrawn. Well, it has been withdrawn for the time being. They have not given up yet. But back to our biblical text, that's what we're here for. Today is all about the power of the cross for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. As Paul writes in verse 17, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. If you are a true disciple of Christ, having confessed him as your Lord and your God, then you're also fully convinced that his crucifixion and resurrection must be counted in the top four or five events in all of history. And yet, this cross that we find so attractive for what it stands for becomes then a stumbling block for the non-believers. Not that they spend too much time, however, thinking about these like things, but when we bring them up, when we talk to them about Jesus and the cross, they just can't understand how stupid we are to believe such what they call fairy tales. This situation was the same in the day of Christ. The Jews did not want their Messiah that they were waiting for. They did not want him to be hanging on a tree. For Jews then, and even today, that is the sign of the ultimate weakness, the ultimate hum humiliation. They merely now want a God to somehow, in some way, eradicate the Romans from their lands. In other words, what they want is they want a convenient big miracle to restore their own power and their authority not accepting that it is all the authority given to Christ by the Father, God. When you then travel over to Greece, as Paul and others did in those days, 
to proclaim the gospel, you end up, no doubt, in Athens, talking to philosophers and their ilk, none of whom are interested in Jesus, but only of the latest and greatest ideas of the world, philosophy. As they would say, we want to gain wisdom and learning. That is what their life was all about. Even if anything they sought after would be a worldly and a human wisdom of sorts. Again, the cross meant nothing to them. To the Jews and to the Greeks, Jesus was simply just a man hanging on a cross, dying for his crimes. Bottom line is this, the Jews... To them, the cross was just weakness. To the Greeks, the cross, simply just foolishness. The rest of the world today are also, in the main, not interested in a crucified God-man. They are demanding a miracle, however, to prove, if they want to, if Jesus ever existed and if he was, in fact, God. Some churches Guys, as followers of the Lord Jesus, will even tell you they themselves perform miracles to convert people to their type of faith, whatever that may be. Any student or disciple of Jesus know full well there will be no new revelations. There will be no nothing new to be had, no new knowledge to be gained until the day that Jesus returns to bring us home for all eternity. We have everything. We also today have people desperate to find wisdom. What they know as wisdom, they will study philosophy, they will study science, they will study anything but the Bible. They will use human science and thought as a means to find out how the world came to be, and a way to explain their personal understanding of what God may mean. But sadly, none of that will explain the power of the cross to them. None of it. The only revelation and explanation on the extraordinary power of the cross can come from having his Holy Spirit dwell within you and guide you to a full understanding of what Jesus had to endure to save your soul. The cross, my dear brothers and sisters, is the ultimate sign of the power of love. The cross of Christ refuses to meet a human expectation. From a human viewpoint, it is just another execution in Jerusalem. From a godly perspective, it's neither impotent nor ignorant. It is full of power. It's full of wisdom, godly wisdom. Verse 18 tells us, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. See, no matter how weak or foolish the cross may seem to an unsaved man or woman, we know that the cross of Christ displays the very power and the love of God. You all know that action always speaks louder than the words. You can say to another person, I love you. However, 
You will also need probably to have to give an expensive gift as a sign of that love, especially if that gift may be just what the other person has always wanted. That will show them, wouldn't it? The well, problem is that sometimes and over time, love fades and the appreciation of even the gift fades with it. And the gift can even be taken away or sold. Therein lies the big difference, however, for you and I. Difference between the love of God have for you and that of a fellow human being. God's love for you is never ending. It cannot fade or be destroyed, cannot be given or sold. And the gift you receive from him as a sign of his eternal love for you is indeed eternal life in Christ. One for you, provided for you through the death of Jesus on that cross. Interestingly, when you consider this gift, then very few people actually desire it until they have it. It's not a gift that I yearned for every day of my life for 45 years. I surely didn't even know it existed or could be had. To be had for free at no cost. Well, no cost to anyone except, of course, for God and for Jesus. The power of the cross is indeed a power of love. When Jesus was crucified, he showed the full extent of God's love. The proof of all of this is in the cross, the whole story of the cross. The crucifixion and the death of Christ is all the evidence ever required to demonstrate God's undying love for sinners. All of that, of course, also brings with it the wisdom of forgiveness. A mere human beings, we all arrive before the throne of God. With an enormous debt, our lies, our even thoughts, our deceitfulness, our withholding a worship of him, and the list goes on. It's all amounted up to one big debt. We also have no way of settling that debt. It is just too great. This is where God's wisdom comes in for us. God did not set up an elaborate payment plan that would take an eternity for a sinner to pay off, as some churches will tell you. The entire debt was settled on that cross on that dreadful day in Jerusalem. Through the death of the only sinless human being that ever lived. The enormity of the price God paid could pay for all sins of all people ever born. But it is only made available to the people God has called to himself. Paul made this abundantly clear for us in Romans 8. He writes, and we know that for those who God love God, all things work together for good of those who are called according to his purpose. 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. There is a great deal of wisdom in the cross as well as the unlimited power it has. The wisdom and power of the cross is the wisdom and power of sin forgiven. The cross was a miracle in itself, but only understood by those called and blessed with the revelation, the full understanding of what that means. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ offered forgiveness full and free. Considering this incredible importance of this, how much time have you spent personally pondering the impact on that knowledge in your life? The point here is this, and it's simple enough. See, either the biblical record of the cross is the truth or it is a fairy tale. It cannot be both. Is the cross the strongest, the wisest, and the most loving thing God has ever done, or is it the single most foolish event in history? This is not something you can simply let rest and come back to at some other stage, made later in life or whenever you feel like it. That's not the way it works. You and I simply do not know when Jesus will return for the last time, and for that sake, it could be today. I'm not saying that you can make this decision in your own favor by yourself without the guiding and the urging of his Holy Spirit. It is, after all, in the hands of God, all of that. But I am saying that if you know in your heart that this is a true story of the cross and know the power, then a question still stands, and you indeed need to answer this question for yourself. It stands between you and God that you answer that question and you commit to it. Have you indeed pondered the truth of the cross in the life you're leading today and every day? Let me take you back to the interaction between Jesus and Thomas back in John as we were studying it. If you're not sure, as Thomas was not sure about what was going on here, then your solution is to read the Bible, the scriptures, and seek godly wisdom, God's wisdom, and by grace and mercy pray that God will reveal full truth to you as well. Remember, Jesus did not mock Thomas for not understanding, but showed him the proof of his deity, and Thomas proclaimed faithfully, my Lord and my God. My dear friends, we are merely days away from the time of the year when we come together to celebrate the arrival of Jesus, born as a man that he may live his life for you, that he may serve his father by dying on a cross to purchase your soul by paying the price for your sins. Now, have I succeeded to make you feel guilty and sad? Maybe I should try harder. But if I have, 
If you're sitting there feeling sad and sorry and guilty, then you have not understood the message of the power of the cross. It is God's love and power poured out for you. It is a time of celebration and for thankfulness to be lived out in response to his incredible love for all his people that he called to himself. Therefore, I also pray that may the Lord God fill your heart and mind with an abundant joy as you worship and adore him all the days of your life. It is a time for rejoicing. It is a time for understanding. It is a time to recognize the power and the love poured out upon you from that cross. Let us pray. Our loving Father, we do come to you to thank you. We can never thank you enough. We can never serve you well enough in response to the love that you have poured out on that cross through your son, that he died for us to give us life eternal, to take our sins and eliminate them from us. We pray, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit living within us, that we will serve you faithfully, obediently, each and every day, that we will do what you command without questioning it. We do thank you, Lord, for your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen.